For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled Throne of Grace and Throne of Glory. Mr. Grayson. I'm shaking, that's me. <laughs> Can you use the podium? All righty. Turn this off. I didn't mean to create so much static. <laughs> well, good afternoon, everyone. I'll say a special welcome to Mark McGarvey's parents from England, I guess, via England, born in Ireland. It's good to see you guys here. Have you ever needed something, but the person you need was not there for you? like you said they would be. In this busy world in which we live, you know, people are just so busy with doing the things that they need to be doing, and sometimes we're put on hold, especially when you might try to reach somebody on the telephone and they're just not answering. Uh, maybe they have the phone off, or maybe it goes to voicemail, or perhaps a party on the other end just, you know, just wants to put you on hold. And so they might uh, do you a favor. They might play you some music along the way. I know one time uh, Carolyn was uh, trying to get in touch, I think, with, with, uh, with some, some company or insurance company or whatever it was. And uh, she stayed on the phone. She wasn't going to give it up. But they kept playing music. Eventually, I think she got through. But uh, sometimes you're just put on hold, especially when you're looking for somebody to fill the need that you have. And sometimes you wonder if these people are just, just wanting you to give up. They just want you to hang up and, and not bother them. But people are busy. They get swamped with all kinds of calls and questions and things of that sort. And sometimes they just cannot get to you right away. And it's understandable because sometimes I'm, I may put someone on hold from time to time. I may leave the cell phone in the garage or, or in the house or somewhere. I sometimes I forget where it is. Here recently, I've been leaving my cell phone. Uh, it's like when I try to remember to take it with me, I always leave it. You ever, you ever done that? You know, you just focus on something, but it doesn't turn out. But you know, if it's a call to someone like family and they don't answer, you might call them a few times, and it kind of worries you because you think something might have happened to them. And you know, in this day and age, uh, sometimes you worry about the evil that's in, in the world. But what will we do without, you know, these cell phones that we have? Uh, they're, they're practically, well, they are an address book, and uh, they are kind of a news uh, source taking the place of the newspaper, at least it does for me sometimes. I just uh, read what's on the cell phone. Uh, there are also a photo album that you can just keep in your pocket and pull it out and then start showing pictures of what you have. There, there are all kinds of things. There are a map. Back in the day, and you'll find me more and more speaking back in the day, because there was a time when the 1960s and the 1970s when you only had a, a, a telephone. If you went off to school, your telephone was in, in your dorm room, and it was just an extension. But if you wanted to call somewhere, you'd have to go down the hallway or to, uh, to maybe the, uh, the uh, relaxation room or something, and you put a quarter in there, and you dial the number and you might want to make a collect call. Do some of you remember, you know how to dial? Do you, 
<laughs> that was the way we, that was what we did. We dialed, or then the punch, push buttons came along and that was real fancy. But here we are with these cell phones. They go off at inopportune times and you might go to a movie and people have the cell phones out. Or you might go to a mall and you might see them and walking along and they're just walking and they're looking down at their cell phone. So I guess they're important people, but you know, we keep up with people and we, sometimes we have a need just to stay in touch. But you know, generally, there will be someone on the other end to answer our call, to answer our need. And it's good for us to know that we have Christ our Savior on his throne. So when we have a trial or we have a need, he has given us access to his throne of grace and access to his throne of glory. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, he said to fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This word little is from the Greek word, uh, Greek word that means small in number, small in size, small in quantity, and small in uh, quality. The word flock is from the Greek word just, just meaning a group or, or a gathering. But traditionally we often view this little flock as a small group in comparison to other churches and a sign of many uh, as a sign uh, of many being called to Christ or the true churches some say but in the context of this statement that Christ made here in verse 32 we see that this surrounds people's worry over their needs like food and clothes such as uh, that they forget to trust in God for those things so in addition to the meaning of this group of this word that Christ calls a little flock, we see it can also mean a flock that is small in quantity and quality, that is in the number of things that they have or their degree of, of standing as measured against other things. So what this chapter tells us is to be, not, to be not so concerned with materialistic needs that it takes our attention away from spiritual needs. We need food, we need clothes, we need a car, we need this and that. But sometimes we forget that we need those spiritual things like love, like faith, like cheer and all those. So this can happen to the rich as well as it can happen to those who, who have little. Verse, thir verse 13 here in Luke chapter 12. And one of the company said unto him, Master, that is teacher, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Christ said unto him, he said, man, and this is from the Greek word anthropos, which means human being. And he said unto him, human being, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Rabbis at that time were expected to hear uh, uh, arguments, to decide debates, to lay down the law and make judgments in disputes. And so, uh, the man assumed Christ could do that. But Christ said that authority didn't belong to him. But he used this dispute, this worry over who's going to get the inheritance as an example for us. And in verse 15, he said unto him, 
Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Lots of stuff was just growing up from his work and from his effort and from his planting and from his taking care of, uh, of the land. And he thought within, within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. So this man had such an accumulation of goods that he was just running out of room. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Perhaps he just needed a, you know, just a brand new barn to start out like that instead of, you know, sometimes we just add on to what we have. I see this uh, show that is called the uh, American Pickers, and they go to all these places where you see where people have accumulated lots and lots of antique things, of antique cars, of tools and uh, books and just little signs and other uh, whatnots. And you just wonder, uh, you know, finally they're trying to get rid of a few things, but then again, there's some things that they just hang on to, and so, you know, people go and pick through that stuff. I, uh, I, I like to pick through things myself. I go to those antique stores. I don't know why. To me, I guess they're a museum. But I got my wife, Carolyn, hooked on it. And uh, we, we began to go antiquing, what we call antiquing, together. But you find all sorts of things. And it's, it's like the person who had those things, to them it was precious at the time. It was a materialistic thing at the time, but then they decide, well, I think I'll try to sell this uh, at, at an antique store. And somebody like me will come along and buy it and will accumulate stuff in the attic and in the garage and things of that sort. But it's amazing the kind of stuff that we like to hold on to isn't it? I've got some old uh, well cassette tapes and some vinyl records and things of that sort that I'm I don't hardly listen to them but they're there and uh, anyway there's just a lot of stuff I hold on to and they're just not really uh, necessary needful and uh, don't hold me to that Carolyn <laughs> and in verse 19 I will say to my soul soul you have much goods laid up for many years. Take, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, You fool, this night your soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which you have provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So this man's needs were focused on the materialistic things of the material goods, on his stature. He had abundance, but it, he was not abundant toward God because he was living in greed and going after things that really uh, didn't amount to much at all in the end. In verse 22, so he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. Now we know that a person, of course, has to eat. And 
person just doesn't want to, you know, run around naked or anything. Yet we see Christ saying to not even be anxious about such necessities. Take no thought for your life. Why? Because becoming overly concerned and focused on the things of the world would take our attention away from the spiritual things of God. Verse 23, the life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. So life is more than just food and the body more than clothes. So, you know, sometimes uh, I like to eat and uh, I suppose I would probably uh, eat maybe a, a steak or something over a good pair of shoes or, you know, I'd rather just eat and not <laughs> have uh, clothes, but then, you know, you need clothes. but the life is more than food it's more than meat and the body is more than you know the clothes that you put on it there's more to life than those things and then he says that we should consider the ravens these birds for they neither sow nor reap which neither have storehouse nor barn and god feeds them how much more are you better than the fowls and which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit. If you then be not able to, to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? So since you, you, know, you cannot do this, this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And then he, another consideration is, he says, to consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spend not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed. He was not clothed like one of these in, in this uh, beauty. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be you of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Sometimes it may seem that we may not have enough in life. Sometimes, you know, it is real that we really don't have enough in life. But the Father knows, and he will supply what we need. So we find comfort knowing that these words of promise are our assurance that God is there. So we also should not be, we should be careful to not live in greed. So in verse 32 we read, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now we know from past teachings uh, that a kingdom is comprised of you know what things it's comprised of uh, name one a king territory subjects people well subjects law uh, we got territory okay I'm lost <laughs> law that's that's yeah territory uh, king subjects and law but there's one other thing that makes up a kingdom another essential it's a throne. So there are these five essentials that form a kingdom. A throne is the chair from which you know, the king issues his decrees. It's the seat of authority from which the king will govern and, and rule. 
You know, you go before a throne, you know, you know that, that person that's sitting on that throne is worthy of respect, of reverence. So the Father's good pleasure, it says, is to give unto the little flock the kingdom. Now, in one sense, this means the kingdom that is to come. In another, it is given to us now as a throne of grace. Because having the Holy Spirit of God means we are his and that our citizenship is in heaven. And when we have need, we can go before the throne. We can pray to him knowing that he will hear and that he will answer. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. You know, hold firm our belief and our faith in the words of Christ. Because, in verse 15, we, don't have, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now we don't, you know, we don't go boldly out of dis in some uh, disrespectful fashion, but we go in confidence knowing that we can find grace at the throne of grace. So here described is a part of this kingdom that is given us as a throne of grace. Now what good would it be if there was no one on the throne, that there was no one on call? But we are assured that this throne of grace, on this throne of grace, is the king of grace presently ruling from his kingdom. It's not an empty throne, and sometimes we may think that our need is not important, and we may hesitate sometimes in going to the throne of grace. Yet, we're encouraged. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. And so, since a throne implies that there is a sitting king, there is therefore a kingdom. This throne of grace is given, and its ever-present uh, place is here and now. In the Hebrew Scriptures, grace is a word that means kindness as shown by a superior to an inferior, to one that is inferior. And the word is also translated as favor. Sometimes, you know, we may uh, have a boss or uh, somebody that might be higher up and, and we go to that person who, within, who has the power to do something for us. Uh, we sometimes will open up and say, uh, I've got a favor to ask of you. And that's what it is when we go to the throne of grace. We ask for that favor. We ask for that grace. So the word is also translated as favor. And it is also used with the idea of mercy and compassion and is expressed as loving kindness. In the New Testament writings, grace is used in reference to God's redemptive love and is often defined as unmerited favor, mercy, and compassion, which amounts again to loving kindness. That's grace. That's, that's loving kindness. 
So what does this throne of grace mean to you and me? First, it is descriptive of God's favor. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We know that. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So we see that there was great grace on the part of the eternal, but man rejected all of that in order to fill his own lusts and desires and look to their own needs. And we read that in verse 4, that there were giants, the Nephilim, which is translated as bullies or tyrants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God, and this is speaking of mankind, came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, and the Hebrew word is gibor, which means warriors or tyrants, which were of old men of renown. So these men, these tyrants, they made names for themselves. They had fear, uh, fearful reputations, with, perhaps with uh, special uh, powers that they claimed. And God, verse 5, saw that the wickedness of man, and this word Adam, or Adam, this, that is, humankind, or mankind, was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. You know, uh, you know remember the Lord, he, he said... Uh, at creation said let us make man in our image this you know this was the verse of a uh, voice of the logos or the spokesman who became Jesus Christ the I am in verse 7 and the Lord said I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air for it repenteth me that I have made them so instead of man growing in the character of God Man was becoming corrupt. He was being deceived by Satan and, and caught in the snares of Satan so that man was not going the way that was intended. But in verse 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he was, uh, he was righteous and he walked with God when the rest of mankind was going the wrong way. They focused just on themselves. They were built bullies and, and tyrants. But Noah found favor, and God spared him and his family. The next thing about grace. Grace is descriptive of God's forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 1. And you has he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So you take these verses and you look at them, they're speaking to us individually. They're not speaking to someone else, they're speaking to us personally, individually. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Where love was supposed to be in our life, we had hatred where truth was supposed to be in our life, there were lies. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust 
of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. And by grace are you saved, you were saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man uh, should boast. So being saved through faith is the belief in the sacrifice of Christ, who paid for us the death penalty that hung over our heads for the sins that we have committed, that now we have forgiveness and redemption because grace is given unto us. In 1 Peter 5, 5, uh, just one little statement there. It says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if we're looking for grace, if we're wanting grace, then that is what uh, we do. We uh, go before him humbly. In Ephesians chapter 2, And you... Has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the uh, course of this world and according to the prince of the power in the air? Titus chapter 2, uh, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Though this was written for those who would read it at that time, you know, it's just the same now as it was then, that we need to live godly in this present age, in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no man despise you, He's telling Titus. Ephesians chapter 11, I think we changed that, Rick, it's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You know, love is the fulfilling of the law. It's what we strive to do in, our, in the way we are before others and our love toward God, and our love toward neighbor. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So we read that it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches in his grace. So we believe that through the grace of Jesus Christ that we shall be saved. And when you think about all the people of the Bible, like David and Moses and Peter and John and, and Rahab and some of the others, uh, we see that these were all had access to that kingdom of grace, to that throne of grace, just as we are today, because by grace we are saved. And so we can go to him in prayer for this grace, for his loving kindness, that throne of grace that is a part of the kingdom that is now. The throne of glory. We know that the throne of glory is yet to come. Matthew 25, verse 31, it says that when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So we see the throne of grace that is, you know, we can have access to right now. And our hope is to see him upon the throne of glory that is to come. Because in verse 32, before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them, On his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. So we see that charity is important because it focuses on the spiritual things of Christ and of giving. It takes away uh, selfish desires. Verse 37, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when, did we, when saw we you a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave you drink? When saw, we, uh, when saw you, uh, when saw thee, oh, let me get this straight. These and these. When saw we thee, a stranger, and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto him, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. So the things that we do charitably does not go unnoticed by God. In Luke 9, verse 1 and 2, when Christ sent out his disciples, what did he tell them to do? Verse 1, he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And in verse 6, and so they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So they uh, were given authority. They had uh, uh, authority to heal. They had this power. Christ, we know, when he came, he came preaching the kingdom of heaven that is to come. And so, so did the disciples. 
But Christ, at that time, he did not take the throne while he was here on the earth at that time. But now he has a throne. And it is his Father's good pleasure to give us this kingdom. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. That's quite an invitation when you think about it. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and is set down with my father in his throne. Revelation chapter 11 Verse 15, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his uh, Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which are and wast and are to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ, it says, shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And in verse 44 of 1 Corinthians 15, I didn't give you that, did I? Uh, that's okay. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse uh, 44. This describes our human condition, our present human condition. I think that if I were to be examined today, the doctor would probably find a lot wrong in my human condition. But we're sown speaking of our body it is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body and so it is written the first man Adam was made a living soul the last Adam a quickening spirit howbeit that was not the first which is spiritual but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So as one, you know, from the day of birth, you know, we grow, we become stronger, we become able to, you know, uh, live and earn, earn a living. And then as the years go by, you begin to feel, you know, the age uh, creeping up on you. I, uh, 
I used to like to play tennis a lot. I used to like to play basketball a lot. I used to like to play flag football a lot. I used to do a lot of athletic things, but, uh, but now I, I tried tennis the other day. And uh, I'm not as sharp as I used to be, but uh, I was uh, trying to teach a granddaughter to play. And, but you realize that uh, uh, you can't really bend over like you used to can't really stoop like you used to, but that's, it makes you realize that you are earthy, that I am earthy, you know. But we have this assurance that we are going to bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So there is this, this great transformation that is going to come into our life. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It's perhaps hard to imagine when that time comes when suddenly you're lifted off the face of the earth and you're zooming off into the clouds and into the sky to meet Christ. I suppose you could uh, compare it to maybe riding a a roller coaster or one of these elevators that takes you off real fast and, and you're just screaming on the way, hollering on the way. What a wonderful feeling that will be. One can only imagine that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, that the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Verse 43, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Matthew chapter 13 and uh, verse 43, then shall the righteous shine forth as a son in the kingdom of their father who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is something that you have to really take in to really listen to those words that are spoken here that the righteous shall shine as the sun. And it is the throne of grace that redeems us in that direction. And it is the throne of glory that we hope to see someday. And that's our hope. Matthew 25, uh, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of glory. And we, you know, we'll see him. Verse 34, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So in Luke 12, this will be the last uh, scripture again, just to repeat, Luke 12 verse 32 says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that's the throne of grace that we have access to right now and the throne of glory that is to come. I'll close with this uh, poem. The Lord said, 
In this world you shall have trial, but be of faith and good cheer. For now, as the beloved of God, a little flock, there is no need to live in fear. Just let your life be rich toward God. The Father knows your every need. So be not worried over food or clothes, and live not in sin and greed. Trust in God and do his will, and boldly go before the throne of grace, before the throne of glory, and in hope and in faith his will embrace. <laughs> 